I, I'm not a 14-year-old girl, so. You're gonna fool me. <laughs> um, here I am. He hates us. That fat man does not like us. That fat, unpopular man does not like us. Oh. It's really weird because I'm not really speaking to you in front of me. But I have to think of you as in front of me because if I don't, then I won't be able to speak to you. How you doing? <laughs> Hello, you beautiful people. How are you? It's been way too long. My band, Why? Uh, is going on tour in February all over the U.S. of A. And I think a little bit of March, February, March. Uh, please look up those dates. If you live in the USA or you're going to be visiting the USA, come and see me somewhere. I will be out in about February, March 2018. For those dates, go to Moline.com. That's the name of the, uh, the newest Y album. M-O-H-L-H-E-A-N if you can't remember that Y with a question mark dot com they are both the same website W-H-Y-W-I-T-H-A Q-U-E-S you know question mark spelled out like that dot com Y with a question mark dot com or dot com take you to the same place look at those dates you can buy your tickets right there on the website get them now before they sell out you can't uh, see me right now, maybe a little bit. You know, those of you uh, at the end, you Ed, Edward Snowden uh, motherfuckers know who you are uh, watching me right now, you perv. Uh, but I do have the dog on my lap, Marty Mars. Uh, he's antsy, he wants to get out of the house. I haven't been out of the house in weeks. Uh, why? Why have I not been out of the house in weeks? And that's an exaggeration to be sure. But uh, I've been working hard. Or what have you been working hard on? Uh, well, it relates to what we're doing right now. It relates to the Wandering Wolf podcast. You have tuned in to the Wandering Wolf podcast. I am your lowly host, Yoni Wolf. Uh, I am creating, with a friend of mine, uh, a video version of the podcast. Now, that's not exactly true. It's sort of a, a, a meld between the podcast and a travel show of sorts, sort of an alternative travel show. Uh, but we are very close to being finished with our inaugural episode, our pilot episode, which will determine if we get to do this again and, uh, you know, get it out in the world somewhere. We'll see. We'll pitch it around and see if someone is interested. Uh, I heard YouTube, you know, they might be interested in having this on their platform. That's a joke. I didn't mean for pay or anything. I just meant anybody can put anything on YouTube. We'll see. We'll see where this thing goes. But that said, we are. this inaugural episode is pretty much done. This is an episode about Cincinnati, where I live. Um, because it's a lot cheaper to shoot and everything in your own town than flying everybody out to wherever uh, to do an episode. But we're hoping to do episodes all around the world. Uh, but this, this Cincinnati episode will be 
available for your viewing perusal, those of you in Cincinnati or around Cincinnati, close to Cincinnati, on November 18th. Uh, it's free. Uh, it's at a place called the Mini Micro Cinema. So look that up. Get on your Google and uh, look up the Mini Micro Cinema. November 18th, we have two showings, one at 7.30 one at 9.30 uh, of that. So look that up and, and uh, you come a little bit early. The doors open at half hour before each showing and uh, it's, it is first come first served with, with the seating situation. It is not, it's not a big place as the name would suggest, the Mini Micro Cinema. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, November 18th, Saturday, November 18th. Come to that. It's gonna be really cool. We'll have some, I don't know, some food, some fun, uh, some music and a good little hang, and maybe a Q&A afterwards with me and the director, Scott. Marty, you stay away from the microphone. I do have to remind you guys about these studio headphones. That's not studio, that's studio, S-U-D-I-O. Um, and uh, they sent me a free pair of headphones to uh, let you guys know about their brand. and. They are incredible headphones. Uh, I have been using them constantly uh, because not only do they sound great, but they look great. Uh, you can be out walking on the streets and people know you are a fashion forward, hip member of this society. Uh, and not only that, but these ones that I have, these are called the Regents. That's the, 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 the model that I have. They are uh, wireless, you know. They're, they, you know, sync to your Bluetooth of your phone or your computer or whatever you're listening on, and uh, I mean, it's it's freeing. It's like I, I hadn't even realized how shackled I've been all these years by the earbuds and and the other uh, headphones that uh, that that chain you in, that chain you to your device. Well, these these are very freeing, and uh, they sound awesome. Like I said, I highly recommend these headphones. I haven't even tried out their other models yet, but I can only imagine that the quality is equal to that of the Regent headphones. Um, and they're classy. I mean, listen to that name, Regent. You know, Beats by Dre. Okay, that's cool, uh, but they're a little gaudy. Everyone knows it's, it's you know, every sports celebrity is, has, uh, you know, sports guy wears these things and it's like, okay, the Beats by Dre. These are classy. These are classy. They're, they, they have, they're a little more stately. They're a little more um, uh, subtle, you know, in, in, in appearance. They'll match your outfit. The Beats by Dre's are sort of like wearing a sore thumb on your head. No offense. They're, they're they, you know, they're great. They sound good. The Beats by Dre's. Studio headphones sound better, a lot better. So, uh, and they're cheaper too. So, you know, you, you don't get that uh, celebrity markup for, uh, you know, whoever, Marcus Allen wearing your headphones uh, at the game. That's, that's how old I am. That's the sports guy that I remember. Um, but no, I, I, I recommend. Now go to their website, Studio Sweden. This is a Swedish company, obviously. It, it more or less looks like my IKEA kitchen uh, in the best of ways. Uh, Studiosweden.com uh, and find your headphones, purchase them, and when you are checking out uh, on their website, 
enter my code, I have my own code there, wandering, okay, wandering, and you will get a 15% discount. That's a deep discount right there. That's enough for my mom to be interested in these, and she doesn't give a shit about headphones, but she gives a shit about discounts, okay? So I wouldn't be surprised to see my mom wearing these. And honestly, they would look good on her. They would look good on her because they're not a fucking gaudy mess on your head, okay? It's a handsome design. Studiosweden.com, enter my promo code WANDERING, okay? Get your new headphones and do yourself right. Listen to some music in the proper way. You who've been out there listening on your damn iPhone speaker, okay, it's convenient, it's convenient, but it's not quality. You know, get, get, get some of these studios. Get you some studios. All right, other than that, man, I mean, honestly, really what I've been doing is working on this, uh, this video thing for the past several months. It's been a big project. Uh, we're hoping someone will want to put it out so that we can go do more episodes and actually get paid for it. So that's what I've been doing. I'm going to move on to another project next, which is uh, I'm post-producing and mixing an album for uh, some friends called The Ophelias, great band. Uh, other than that, just been trying to live my life, you know, uh, keep my house clean, keep my nose clean, uh, try to get the dog out as much as possible. He had gained some weight, uh, so we're in the process of, of uh, shedding the pounds off of him, giving him some uh, mother's little helpers, some, some um, you know, some speedy stuff to, to, to keep his hunger down and all that. No, do not do that. Do not feed your pet amphetamines, uh, I repeat. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. On this episode today, so this is my first conversation in a series of conversations that genesis that genocide genesis not genocide from genesis from that genesequa from uh, that come from uh, the TV episode. So the that come from the Wandering Wolf TV show that we made. Uh, we interviewed. Something like, I don't know, 15, 17, 18 people, 18 interviews I think I did for that. Each of them, um, you know, a podcast worth of conversation, you know, an hour, hour and a half long conversations that were then subsequently whittled down into something like 30 to 40 seconds or maybe a minute of conversation with each of these people. So I present to you the full conversation with Chuck Cleaver of Wussy and formerly Ass Ponies from the 90s. Do you remember that band from the 90s? Do you remember the 90s? Probably not. Uh, but if you do, perhaps you remember the Ass Ponies. And if not, perhaps you know Wussy. Uh, and if you don't, you should. Uh, it's a rock and roll band from my hometown, Cincinnati, Ohio. And Chuck has been doing it as you'll find out shortly for a long time since before I was born and I'm pretty old. Uh, so not to call him out on his age. He's very youthful. He's got tats. He's got tattoos. I'm going to start getting tattoos when I am 50 or 60. What do you guys think? Should I go full body, the full body suit tattoo? Uh, and maybe when I go, here's what, here's what I think. When I go bald on the head, 
and it's already thinning, so we're already part way there. Uh, when when it's time to really just uh, shave all the hair off because I don't want to look like Bozo the Clown, um, maybe I'll just do a hair tattoo on the top of my head, a tattoo that looks like some sort of dandy hair, maybe like a like a sort of a Nazi cut, uh, you know, something something neat and trim but nice. Uh, Something like that. And then I can always add a wig or two, uh, do, do an Andy Warhol kind of thing if I want to on a, on a night out. Uh, that's my plan for the future. You may never even know that I've gone bald because I may just wear a wig that looks exactly like my old hair. Uh, but more likely I'll probably wear a long, straight, blonde wig or something slick like that, something like I've always wanted to look like. Okay, so enough of that, enough of me yarbling. Let's move into this lovely conversation I had with Chuck Cleaver. You're from Clarksville, Ohio, originally. Clinton County, yeah. Clinton County, and that's up sort of between Cincinnati, Columbus, yeah, right? Like uh, northeast. That that big bridge that's over the Fort Ancient Valley, the one they just blew up and rebuild or whatever uh-huh. if you get off on the exit just on the other side of that on the north side that's where i'm from what is the that? only exit between cincinnati and columbus where there's nothing what's out there what 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 happens in clarksville uh, tough to say i haven't lived there for what 40 30 30 years 40 years but so when you were growing up what like um it was you know just like any other small town i'm guessing you know um Drugs. <laughs> what, what Swimming pe- at trestles, uh, working at gas stations. You know, is that, do, do people just kind of sc- scrape by for a living and stuff, or was there like a certain uh, no, industry they, there? They seem to. I mean, again, now I have no idea, but you know, it, it seemed. I think a lot of people worked in the city. You know, um, Cincinnati, Cincinnati, came, Dayton. Okay. You know, Centerville, yeah. um, Wilmington, for that matter. Yeah. You know? Would you call it a, like a distant suburb in a way? Like suburbs, probably pushing it. It wasn't yeah. not real big. A little I mean, small country. There town. weren't many kids in my graduating class. Okay. You know, so what was it like going to high school there? Like, did you have? Yeah, it's a friend uh, it's, group. Or? It's Clinton Massey, you know. Um, yeah, more or less. I mean, I didn't smoke, but at the time I was in high school, we had a smoking dock. and a lot of my friends smoked, so I would hang out on the smoking dock with them, and okay. so it was. Kind of like guilt through association, but you know, Just I don't know. D- if that's I would, what kids I guess would I was hang. A, I guess I was a hood, although I didn't do hoodie stuff because I thought that hoodie stuff was stupid. But but your but your the kids you hung with were, were, were hoods, kind of yeah, but not really. You know, just like fringe hoods, I guess. You know. What does that mean? Were they like? Well, you know, the hoods went out and like tore down mailboxes and did all that graffiti. Or yeah, something. sort yeah, and I just never dug that stuff much. Yeah, but, yeah. But I still, I actually looked probably worse than any of the hoods. My hair was like down to my ass, and I had, I had given myself a couple of tattoos that okay. fortunately are covered. The, okay. Um, with you know, just po- poking in, India ink with thread wrapped around a needle and my initials and it looked like somebody did it with their feet it was terrible (laughs) but fortunately dana was able to cover them up yeah oh those look nice um like did you were you 
playing music already in high school? Were you no, in bands and no, stuff? No, I didn't even start playing guitar until I was 20. So okay. It, where, where I'm from, if you do any of that kind of stuff, you're a sissy. Okay. Or a wussy. And that's why we called ourselves wussy, because we wanted to be able to reclaim the word. It's like, Ooh, I like can that. I cuss in this thing? Yeah. It's like, fuck you, you know? Yeah. We're wussies. Get over it, you know? Right. You're going to be a garbage man. We're going to be musicians, which is just like being a garbage man, I guess. But <laughs> <laughs> A traveling garbage yeah, man. Yeah, exactly. Um, so... Interesting. What, did did you listen? Were you like? I mean, you must have listened oh, no, to music. Oh no, no, like, yeah, all oh, tons. We um, intently. Once though? I got a well, when I was a little kid, um, I mowed yards, and uh, then I got a little older and worked at my uncle's gas station, and I'd spend all my money on records. I'd okay. Go, Wilmington was the closest big town, and they had a place. Oh, Wilmington, huge town. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. But uh, they had a, there was a store in a shopping center called GC Murphy's. It was like a five and ten, and they had a record section, and I'd go there and spend my money on 45s pretty much every week how did you know like what to buy like what like radio okay. am radio wsai wing okay. we live between cincinnati and dayton so we got some of the dayton stations and some of the cincinnati stations okay and then late you know reading cream and rolling stone and stuff like that i tried to there was a hallmark cards and you know book and magazine shop in wilmington that had like all the music magazines and stuff and i'd go there and buy those and i looked older than i was so i could buy like penthouse and stuff like okay. that and so i was like 14 15 and buying you know playboy and penthouse and stuff Did, were you sharing that with your friends too not much i think that's creepy yeah you know, I we think guys. That. That is I think guys sitting around with erections yeah. together is pretty creepy. I mean, unless obviously you're of that, you know. Sure. Nature. Sure. But I mean, as far as like when you're a kid, straight kids like, sitting around. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just like woof, no. Yeah. I never could understand that about like like bachelor parties and stuff. Right. It's like, why would I want to do that? Right. Ugh, right. I barely want to do it on my own. Uh, and then yeah. when I got older, when I you know got friends of mine, and when I got a driver's license, we would go to Centerville to a, a record store called Dingleberries, and they they were a head shop slash record store, and then it was just like wow, it was like landing in some kind of alternate universe or something. It's like imports and records that I'd only read because I mean Wilmington was not a big big place, and so they would just get the stuff that you heard on the radio. And Dingleberries had all these, like, things, you know, like Johnny Thunders and the Heartbreakers and, you know, and later on, like, the Sex Pistols and stuff like that. And it was just fascinating, and you know. And then we started coming down here to go to show, down to Cincinnati to, to shows and uh, at Bogarts. And we discovered Moles and Ozarka and those places, and, and it was... Then I had never had any money. The mother load. Yeah, because we'd come every weekend, and I'd spend all my money on used records. What? Well, two questions. Like, first, w did you have friends that were also doing this that were into the same stuff? Like yeah, not to the degree that I was. Okay. Uh, I was kind of. I always felt like I was dropped there. You know, it's like right. Uh, and I mean, not to insult anybody. I, I love some of those guys still, but uh, I just, I just never felt like I was. I knew I was going to leave about as you know as soon as I could, and I did. And, um. My other question was, what was your main 
shit? Like, what what was the stuff that that was you felt you, like you were really connecting to within music wise? Musically, uh, everything, uh, singer songwriter stuff. Uh, my my very first uh, concert was uh, Dan Fogelberg opening for the Eagles. Okay. And I dug it all right. You know, it was okay. It wasn't you know. Uh, but I mean, then everything. Then we started going to Bogarts, and I saw. Oh gosh, so many first tours. I saw the police on their first tour, Elvis Costello, U2. They all played Bogarts, you know? Yeah. And it was great. I mean, it was Devo, the Ramones, the Cramps. And I started working at record stores up on Short Vine. And, you know, some of those, sometimes they'd come in and, you know, it's, it was great. It was just like it was getting like, like a door opening up, you know? Because, I mean, I grew up. I, I lived in Clarksville for 18 years, and I'd only ever really been to the city a handful of times. Okay. You know, and what so. what was your first impression, like, when you would come visit Cincinnati? Like, did, did it seem like... It was scary. Mm -hmm. You know, it was, it was it, it, you know, it was the city. It was something that I wasn't from. I didn't ever think I was going to live in a city, to tell you the truth. Um, but once I got here and sort of got acclimated, I, I got a couple jobs where I had to drive. And so I got used to where everything was and stuff like that. And then it was like, then it just became old hat and it was fine. It just takes me a long time to acclimate. I'm kind of a, I tend to be a, a recluse of sorts, so. What, what was specifically scary about it? Or was it just that it was big? Just that it was big, a lot of one-way streets, a lot of not very friendly people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> did you get? Did but I'm you, not particularly. I don't come off as very friendly either. Sometimes, so you know, I, I forgive them. Did you have altercations at, at, from time to time? I got beaten up a couple of times because that, I just didn't. Oh, well, I, I transferred. I went to Wilmington College my first year out of high school, and then I transferred to UC. Okay. But I would walk to donut shops by myself at like two in the morning and got my ass kicked a couple of times. But what would you so go? What, what did you go to UC for? Uh, fine arts, unfortunately. Okay. I, I did the same, man. Yeah, I, it, was yeah. it was DAP? Get a the, job in fine arts. It was only called it was called DAA at the time, so it was just DA. Okay. Um, or DA. Did you graduate? Yes, I did. I, I got a bachelor I in fine arts in ceramics. So when, once you moved here, is that that's what you're talking about? Is that like? Yeah, it was what eighty. Well, I moved here in seventy nine. I think 78, 79, I guess. I was born in 79. That's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As, as you were coming out, I was uh, coming in. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, hopefully not into my mother, but... No, no. <laughs> it was a little crowded. <laughs> um, that won't... I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> uh, and so you were doing art at school. What, yeah. what were the circumstances when you got beat up uh, a couple times. How did uh, that go? I, eh, not well. I mean, not for me. Sure, anyway. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, some guys, you know, got out of a car and were asking me for directions, and I'm like Jethro with the rope belt, and, you know, and, well, you go down here. Yeah. As soon as I started pointing, one of them punched me, and I, I had my back to these this long um, flight of stairs, and I fell down all of the concrete stairs, and my glasses broke, and but then they just laughed and ran, so, you know, it wasn't like... They weren't trying I, to rob you or anything? No, it was just like punch a hillbilly, I guess, or whatever, you know, and they succeeded, and whatever. Yeah, I'd been punched before. Yeah. And then I got my butt kicked about 
maybe a month later, sort of the same circumstances, not in the same place, but then I just stopped going to the donut shop late. You know, it's like, well, I probably shouldn't do that again. Yeah. You know. Were these, were these white guys, black guys? Uh, first time it was black guys, second time it was white guys. Okay. So they were equal opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> Ass kickers. Yeah. The black um, guys probably told the white guys, hey, that big lummoxy hillbilly won't do anything. He's the one. You can go beat him up. Um, do, do you Did you have a feeling about race relations when you first came to the city? Not at all. You know, I'm, um, you know, I, I just, I didn't think about it one way or the other, you know. You didn't feel I a come certain from, tension or For anything. coming from such a small place, my mother and father were both very, um, very liberal in that sense. So it just, it never occurred to me. And what, what, what did your folks do uh, for a living and uh, stuff? My dad worked in a metal um, a casting company shop. What I can't really, don't really know what it was called. A casting company, I guess, for okay. um, pretty much the whole time I was growing up. In Wilmington, and um, my mom was a homemaker, and then um, uh, became a real estate agent later. Okay, um, I've heard that you were, or maybe are, a stonemason. Yes, well. did that for about about sixteen years. And how did you get into that? A friend of mine uh, uh, has been a stone and brick mason since we got out of uh, high school. Um, I probably one well my oldest friend we've known each other since kindergarten and um, I don't know I was in my late 30s and wondering you know what's next and he said well you can always come and learn how to do this he said I'll lie for you and say you already know how to do it and then you can just learn as you go and I was a pretty quick study and that's what I did for 16 years that was sort of Post ass ponies or towards the tail end. Or Post something. ass, well, yeah, kind of. I mean, it was during ass ponies. Mm -hmm. You know, some probably. I, gosh, I can't remember when I got. I think I went got hired on there when I was like thirty six, thirty seven, along in there. So you moved to Cincinnati when you were like nineteen, twenty, or whatever. Yeah. And then, from what I can tell, uh, you know, it seems like the first ass ponies album came out when you were like. 31 or 30 yeah 29 30 29 30 yeah, long in there so were you in other bands between that time in cincinnati you know yeah yeah i was in a band um in the mid 80s called gomez it was actually before the english gomez we put out a little ep but uh, it's one of those things that i kind of just wish didn't exist and then um, prior to that, I was in a band called The Lunch Buddies. It was my very first band once I got here. Actually, my very first band when I got I was in a really, really early inception of BPA. Okay. But I wasn't asked back because I was the worst guitar what's, player. What's BPA? I'm not familiar. Um, they're a band. Um, like Some of the guys in the Wolverton or Tim from the Wolverton Brothers was also in BPA. And they, I think they still play occasionally. Okay. They put out some really cool records. Very very uh, kind of experimental post something, but amazing. Uh, they're one of my favorites from here. So. And were you uh, playing guitar in these bands? Yeah, kind or? of. I was just playing guitar, but I didn't know how to play guitar, so I just tuned all the strings to the same note and just ran my finger up and down the neck. Smart. And made noise. That's what I do. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and then, you know... Um, then uh, for uh, a really short time, me and Tim Schwally from BPA and, 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 and the Wolverine Brothers, uh, he and I and a guy named John Smith uh, were a 
in a thing called Men Without Bones. And um, that was actually, I think they've still got copies of that. It, um, I had a cassette tape and I gave it to uh, Joe Kuth at, uh, and he passed it on to some people and, and they actually put it out. It's just this horrendous like keyboard guitar noise with, this guy John Smith was a classical violinist and he just sort of played these lilting melodies over the top of me and Tim like farting out music, I guess, you know. It was early noise. But it was type pretty fun. Stuff. It was it was fun. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. It I've I've been in bands pretty much continuously since nineteen seventy late seventy eight. I've never been out of a band since then. And what what, what was your initial like feeling like why you wanted to go into bands? You I have written songs ever since I was a little kid, like five, six years old. Okay. Wrote them in my head, you know. And, but like I said, nobody ever, even my closest friends didn't know, you know. It's just, it was just a shy thing, you know. And what was the first time that you sort of came out with your songs as opposed to just like playing guitar and noise guitar? Uh, probably Lunch Buddies. Okay. You know, I wrote I wrote the songs in lunch. Well, I mean, we all wrote every band I've ever been in. We all write the songs. I just write the lyrics and come come up with some of the melodies. But you know, I like that arrangement. I like working with people. So you co you'll cooperative, and that's the same for ass ponies or wuss. Yeah, yeah. We everything's split like you know Evenly. equally and stuff. And I, I, I the I think I mean ass ponies were around for. Almost 16 years. Uh, Wussy's going on 16. The way you keep people in your band is you basically you, you try to be as fair as you possibly can. You know, I, I, I wouldn't. I don't. I don't get these people that like want. You know, all the money and everybody else doesn't get anything. I mean, how the hell are they going to live? You know. Mm -hmm. So. Do you, uh, so you'll, will you sit around then and actually write songs in a room with people? Yeah, yeah, I mean, especially in Wussy, you know. Yeah. Well, Ass Ponies too. I mean, um, Ass Ponies, I was the main writer, so I would usually come in with skeletons and we'd flesh them out, whereas Wussy, we more, um, we do that, and we have two writers. Lisa mm -hmm. writes um, half of the material at least, if not more, and... Um, and sometimes we'll bring in little, you know, sketches, and other times we just start messing around, and it becomes a song, you know. Yeah. I mean, you know, you know how that goes. And uh, yeah. Sometimes I mean, the most inane, stupid thing you're doing, you know, just fucking around over to the side, and somebody says, "Hey, keep playing that," and that becomes like the best. Like that teenage wasteland came from that. Mm -hmm. I was just doing that. That. Wah, 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 wah. I was just having fun. I was like, I didn't expect it to land in anything, and Lisa's like, "Keep doing that," and. That's how the song came about. Nice. And it's great because I never have to change chords. <laughs> right, right. My ideal is to never have to change chords. I would love to just play a bunch of one-chord songs. I mean, they play other shit, but I just, right. you know. The drone man. Yeah, exactly. That's I love that. It yeah. drives other people crazy, but I can do it for hours. Oh, and I, I don't even have to be drugged. I'm all about it. It's, you know, the, the, the idea of changing... I always feel like even if you do change chords, like change as few notes as possible. Yeah, because they they there's more of a flow. Yeah, and it doesn't always. I also like to put chords up next to each other that that just sound terrible, but then the challenge is to make them palatable. Right. You know, because if anything gets too far outside the pop structure, I don't really like it very much. Mm -hmm. I still am all no matter how noisy it gets, I like there to be an underpinning of. Of pop, 
It's just more which, light. Which means what to you? Uh, just, you know, um, just standard, like, you know, easy three and four chord, you know, stuff. It, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know. But post post blues. Yeah, you know. because I mean, yeah, because I mean, it's you know, we're we're not we're not inventing the wheel. You can only put so many notes next to each other that sound okay, and you know. So what makes then what makes a song uh, fresh or or feel like it's unique or or? Um, uh, for us, for Lisa and I, anyway, the way we put words together, you know, we. That I've always been more interested in the words. It's only um, Wussy has kind of we have a, a lot of multi instrument. I mean, John, Joe, and Mark are all they can play everything, mm -hmm. and so it's like it's kind of cool to just give the songs up to them and let them flesh everything out. I, I, and and because they do it, it makes me interested in it because I'm usually if I lay down something I. Usually, if I'm by myself and want to put a demo together, I just have a drum machine make a real basic beat. I play a guitar over it, and it's like there's the song. Right. And so you do whatever you want to that to make it more interesting to you. Because I figure, you know, and, and we'll see, it's a, it, 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 better or for worse, it's a very democratic process. If even one person doesn't like the song, it's like, fuck it, then we won't do it. Sounds like it, yeah. I mean, yeah. I my man doesn't work in that same way. I mean, I, I, I've been in bands that have been more like that. Um, well, with two songwriters, um, it's, we have, there's just an excess of material. So, you know, if, if one song doesn't work, just write another one. Yeah. You know? So, um, when you were first in bands, even, even sort of, well, maybe right around when you started uh, doing the Ass Ponies thing or, or just before that, was there like a, a scene in Cincinnati where there are other bands oh, yeah, that yeah. you felt like were doing similar stuff? There's, uh, similar, I don't know. I, I've never really thought much about that. Uh, but um, or, or like yeah, a there camaraderie. Was, there, there was a camaraderie. There's always been. I mean, um, for, uh, it's, it's waxed and waned, but there's always been a, a, a good um, support system, you know, ever since we started. Um, I mean, I've known some of these guys, like the guys like in, in the Wolverton Brothers. I, I've known, uh, well, Dana... Uh, Hamlin, I've known her for for years. Uh, a lot of people I've known Scott for a while. I've actually known pointing to people off camera. Yeah. But um, you know, so yeah, I mean, um, um, I think it was Dana. Somebody used to call me the Enigma because they didn't see me very often. I, I'm I have I have really really super bad crowd anxiety, and uh, so I have a really hard time going to things. Um, and so if, if I'm not playing, a lot of times I, I'm, I'm not really out. Um, and so it's, it, it can kind of be weird, you know. Um, once I'm on stage, I'm fine. But being part of a bunch of people has always really been weird for me. Um, I can relate to that. You know, my wife's had to lead me out of places before because she's like, you're shaking so bad that your drink is spilling, you know. And I'm like, yeah, I know can't help it <laughs> yeah I, I i have very similar a very similar thing where, and yeah. lisa's the same way so we have a band where the two front people are probably the least um out there you know mark actually does a lot of the talking when we're out and about when we're on tour and stuff because you know we and it's it's pr pretty strange i don't think that's 
too atypical because I feel like a lot of people who write lyrics, I mean, are, tend to be more introverted uh, types or more, you uh, know. Yeah, you're probably right. Sensitive I mean, people. it would help if we weren't. We'd probably have, you know, we'd probably still not be the, whatever we're called, the band that doesn't exist or whatever, but, you know. I mean, we exist on some, but people are always saying that we're this or we're under. And I don't know if that's true. I don't know what underrated is really, but you guys should be. And I'm like, well, well why? You know, why should we be any more than anybody else? I mean, right. you know, sometimes I just think it's luck of the draw. But I do know, I, I have seen bands where like the main person was just a, was just really, you know, a go-getter or whatever, and they get what they want, you know? And we just don't have anybody in the band that's like that, you know? We all just tend to sit around backstage and mumble and... Were there other, or are there other Cincinnati bands that you notice having that, more more of that type of thing, like that? Almost, yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, very obviously the Afghan wigs, I mean, you know, um, they're, you know, um, they're a... Greg's a master at, at getting in. You know, he's just good at it. You know, they're great. I, I really like that. I think they're... A, when we went on tour with them, it was just amazing night after night to see them just... Yeah, you know, we learned a lot from playing some shows with them. It's like, that. there's how you do it. You know? And that's... Is that recently with Wussy, you mean? Oh, like uh, yeah, within those? the last... Well, Ask Pony's played with them, too. I mean, we've okay. been long, around long enough. But, no, Wussy, we actually went on tour with them for a week, two weeks, something like that. On their on their comeback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. on their... A the f- few years ago, yeah. you know. And it was just... It was, you know... But, but you know, and I, I mean, other bands, um, you know, uh, um, Over the Rhine seemed to do pretty well. I mean, I don't really... I don't follow people's careers as much as I just listen to mute, you know, so I I can't really, um, I guess that Walk the Moon band does pretty good, you know. I, I'm not a 14-year-old girl, so I don't dig them too much. But Could have fooled me, dude. <laughs> but, I mean, I can pr- appreciate what they do. You know, yeah. they seem like nice guys. Boy, that's going to go a long way if that gets on, on film. He hates us. That fat man does not like us. That fat, unpopular man does not like us. Oh. <laughs> um, was and it's there... not that I don't like them. They're nice guys. They were actually they they've been very sweet to me when I've met them. Yeah. You know? So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Walk the moon. Um. What? When? When? Ass ponies first started to get noticed because it seems to me that. Uh, that band did pretty well pretty quickly. We did okay. I mean, we didn't do nearly as well as I think what everybody thought. You know, I would be. I was downtown one time um, after the Ass Ponies got signed to A and M, uh, and this guy's like, you know, stops me. He's like, "Well, what are you doing? Still living in Cincinnati?" And I'm like, "Well, why wouldn't I?" And he's like, "Well, you know, a lot of the bands that make it, they go to Cal." And I'm like, "Well." I said, dude, curiously, how much do you make a year? And he told me, and I'm like, well, you make three times what I do. That's what I'm still doing, living in. You know, but you don't, you don't necessarily make a lot of money, even if you get on a major label. It's just, you know, it's workaday stuff. You know, whatever. It was fun. You know, it was, it was a good learning experience. People know, right? I mean, I, I found people know who I am and know who you are throughout the whole country and throughout the whole world to some extent. Yeah. But. That does not translate 
to no, it doesn't at all. Whatsoever. And I, I'm, but I can understand that because when I before I was in it, before I was involved, in, in especially to that level, um, I would have thought everybody on a major label had it made. You know, I, I would because there's no frame of reference. How do you know? You know, it's like oh, you know, you're making. It's like no, dude. It's, and and was that like did did you find that that other other bands or other people in the scene in Cincinnati were were jealous when you got signed or was it or was or was it very supportive? I, I, you know, I don't know either way. I, nobody seemed overly mean about it. You know, um, I I, I, don't, I you got me. Yeah. You know? Did you? Were, were, My power to ignore is pretty pretty huge so I, I just tend to concentrate on my own little world and you know kind of have to sure if I if I start getting into the larger scheme of things I get so uh, discouraged that I don't even want to go out you know so it's like just Bigfoot exist <laughs> as long as that's cool I'm all right I, I think that is important to, to stay yeah just focused on your own Right, not not worry about the outside. Yeah, it's you, you can't. My dad told me real early early on, you can't solve the world's problems. You can't even solve your own. Mm -hmm. You know, so you know. Um, but you were Afghan week. I mean, Afghan weeks. Ask ponies were out and about. Yes, playing, yeah, like we, touring we toured, and stuff. Yeah, a lot. We we um, we toured so much that we lost our original guitarist because we got home from a tour and John was like, my kid doesn't even know who I am. Yeah. And I understood entirely. I'm like, well, yeah, that I'd quit too, yeah. you know. But um, and so Wussy, Wussy is not. We we tour and we tour quite a bit in years that we tour, but we always uh, we never go more than three weeks at a time, because I mean the, the ass ponies were going 16, 18 weeks, and we were coming home just like, I hate everybody, I hate everything, and it was just not healthy. It was. That's Crazy. Yeah, it was awful. It was. I got food poisoning a couple of times and had to play in an adult diaper a time or two. Hey, there's my phone. So after you were touring and whatnot with Ass Ponies, was there like a, a camaraderie with other bands in the area that were also in that same boat, like Afghan Wigs? I'm thinking about even Dayton bands like you know GBV or the Breeders um, or you know an, to an extent. Yeah, I mean again, um, we were never the most. Um, uh, like, I just never went out uh, if if we weren't playing. So you know that's always kind of been a, a hindrance of sorts. I mean, it. it um, I, I I do go. It's not like I don't go out at all, but I mean, it's just really hard for me, you know. And everybody's like, "Well, smoke a bunch of pot," and I'm like, "Well, yeah," but then that just makes me like more paranoid and want to have sex, and that's not really a good thing. Not when you're not out. Not for being out. No, no, you know. It's like, yeah. Like, hey, let me rub that. Yeah, <laughs> that's not going to work. So, um, but so yeah. I mean, I guess there was sure. I mean, you, you compare notes. You know, um, John Curley from the Wigs has always produced most of the stuff that I've been on. All, m almost all the Ass Ponies, most of the Wussy catalog, and so you know we'd talk. You know about different. He would, you know, tell me tour stories, and I'd tell. Usually revolving around some kind of bodily function or. Right. Uh, so, but you know, whatever. Yeah. Was it? Was there a? I don't know. Did Did you notice a difference be between how it felt in the '90s here to how maybe it is now or in the early 2000s? Like, what was there? Uh, like a, a thing happening, 
Um, yeah, there was. I mean, and and and, and there kind of always has been. Like I said, it 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 waxes and wanes. Um, the '90s, uh, there seemed to be. There's always been a good underground. There's always been a good um, sort of experimental post punk thing going on. Um, and then certain things rise to the top. You know, there there was a in, in the '90s. It seemed like there was a big, like sort of a power pop movement for a while. A lot of the bands were sort of along those lines. And then there's a kind of an Americana thing. The thing, cool thing about Cincinnati is there's always been like little bits of everything, and um, I've always liked that about here. You know, because there's and and as far as I'm concerned, I mean '90s. Yeah, it was it was really um, MTV came to town and did all that horse shit. You know. Um, what what is it? I didn't know that. Oh, uh, I was like, uh, Cincinnati's the next Seattle. You know, and. <laughs> they interviewed Randy, and he's just like, no, no, it's not, you know. <laughs> and, you know, the, he said the woman interviewing didn't like him very, huh. you know. We've always kind of had that vibe. We've always just assumed nobody likes us. Were you were you on that, that MTV thing? No, no, no okay. thank God. So who, which bands were they featuring? Uh, I think they did the Wigs, the Tiger Lilies, Us. There was a band called Schwa at the time. Um Gosh, I can't remember. There were some others, you know. And then other, uh, I think uh, the uh, Jason from uh, Throneberry might have been in it. Jimmy D when he had his music store down on Short Vine, you know. They they just kind of tried to get an overview. Um, and then, you know, three months later, nobody gave a damn, and it kind of went back to being Cincinnati. And did, but did you feel like to an extent, they, I mean, not that it was the next Seattle, but did, was there something happening? No, there was. There was. Well, the Wigs getting signed and, and, and over the Rhine to a certain extent, and then we did. And, and you, know, um, you know, I think A&M were kind of surprised, you know, when, when we showed up, you know, a bunch of guys in their mid-30s that very clearly weren't going to be the next Nirvana. You they know. had expect they had heard your demos or whatever yeah, and expected you to be I guess or yeah. you know um, but whatever it, that doesn't who cares you know I mean we didn't we just were along for the ride we knew it was it was finite and let's just take advantage for them as long as they'll let us and <laughs> and you did that only two two albums two albums right? yeah we yeah. were there about three years you know and did was it the kind of thing where they dropped you, or was, oh, was it yeah, a mutual yeah. decision? They dropped us basically two weeks after our second record came out. So we took the money that we had and toured on it anyway and spent everything we had basically just to, you know, because it's like, well, we made a record, you know, you, you, you need to be loyal to that shit, you know. And so, you know, whatever. We didn't have any money when we started, so. So w when you made the move to 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 wussy uh which i guess it seems like there was a uh there was Asponies were still around i mean we kind of went through uh, our original guitarist came back and we were we were we were working on some new material and stuff but um again i've said this, this is post ohio you were working on yeah okay. yeah but i mean i just i didn't feel like i had anything else to say in that in that realm or, or in that band and uh, you know it was a, kind of it was a bittersweet I mean you don't like to and uh, I met Lisa at a show and we started singing together and I'm like yeah I can you know I recognize she you know she's one of the most talented people I've ever known I mean easily um, she's a great songwriter she's a great singer um, you know um, we can't stand each other some of the time but 
some of the time we, we really like each other, and so it's it works out, you know. I think that's how it goes for bandmates, like we were talking about earlier. Yeah, is, yeah. It, you, when you're around somebody in close quarters that much, it's, yeah. it's, it is like family. But, you know, we don't... Uh, creatively, we very, very, very rarely butt heads. We usually, you know... I just recognized in her... Um, it's like, wow, this person can... This person can do this. This this person needs to be out there and, and, and stuff. And, and so... You know, we, we sort of developed kind of organically. It was just her and I at first, and then Mark. Um, I knew Mark from from um, his from he was in Meserlene Ewing, and a couple other things. And I just thought that that guy seems interesting. I'd like to work with him. And then uh, and then we had a, a woman drummer, Dawn Berman, for a while. She got married, moved away, and Joe came on. And then John Earhart from the Ass Ponies rounded it out it it works i don't i, I think it works because we just don't really talk about it too much and we don't you know we just kind of do it and we'll, we discuss very little musically it's just like eh, it's probably good it, you know right why talk about yeah, it it's music and, and you know everybody makes up their own parts and stuff and to me nothing would be worse than me saying i want the bass to sound like this i mean i'm not a fucking bass player mm-hmm. you know so yeah, uh, when you tra- when you made that transition, whatever cross fading into wussy, what did you feel a certain sense of like relief or support having a like a second second songwriter in the band with yes, Lisa? Like, very much so. Was it, yeah, and she is so much more comfortable. Like she's a she's not she, she we are equally uncomfortable in person, but she. When she gets on stage, there's she just she's so she's a much better performer than I am, and it's just and she's a much better singer. And well, you're a great performer too. I'm, right? I do okay. I do okay for you know uh, uh, basically a, a, a lump, but but she you know I just for some somehow we worked, and I don't know how that is. You know I I, I don't know why it just worked because I never really thought about writing with somebody else before. You know. Do you guys uh, write lyrics together? I know you. No, not usually. She writes. If she's singing it, normally she's the one that wrote it. If I'm singing it, I'm the one. She will sing my songs occasionally, because I just don't. I I'm I, I do okay with what I've got, but there's certain songs that just don't work when I sing them. I just don't have the range that she has, and so she she will sing them. You know. Um, and then um, usually if, if we're both singing together on a song, she will have written the part she's singing and I will have written the part I'm singing because mm-hmm. we, we try to sing different things at the same time. And that works sometimes and <laughs> it doesn't work others, but, you know. That's the benefit of having two I mean, you know how it is. You, you, we have more shit songs than we do good ones. It's just the shit songs never get out there, or at least they, they do occasionally. Mm-hmm. You know, every once in a while, it's like, God damn it, I wish we wouldn't have put that on the record, but, yeah. you know. I have those. Yeah, everybody does. It's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. So, like you said, uh, John Curley, who plays in the Afghan Wigs, he, he has recorded... All the Wussy albums, maybe, or most of them? Um, he didn't do the first one. Billy Alitzhauser did the first one in our practice space. It was, uh, we, I think we maybe mastered it, mixed and mastered it at Ultrasuede, but we, we recorded it in our practice space. So um, I can't remember what our first record was called, and that's pathetic. But, um, but how, how, 
But the rest of them you've done yeah, here. It, here. Um, uh, John uh, did the next three, and then um, um, starting with... Uh, oh, he did Attica. Starting with um, Forever Sounds, uh, uh, John Hoffman. Uh, Hoffman and Jerry Queen. Mm -hmm. We started working with them. And then the new one that we're doing now, we're working with John and Jerry. Because okay. uh, John Curley, he's just too busy now with the wigs and stuff. So he, he, he kind of, he set us up with them. He said, I've got these two young guys that I think you guys would work really well with. And, uh, and John, again, recorded almost all the Ass Ponies stuff, you know. So I've, I've worked with him for well over 20, 25 years, so. What's it like to work with him? What's that collaboration? Like, is he He just becomes a member an of the band. No, or? no, he becomes a member of the band. He's played on the records. Um, he makes suggestions and stuff. He knows, you know, he knows our limitations and he knows our quirks and and how to get good performances out of us and stuff. But so do John and Jerry. I mean, they, they're very, they have, their intuition is really sharp and, and, uh, and plus, they'll they'll take like huge. If I come in with a stupid idea, they'll at least try, you know. And sometimes try to do it or tell you try no, to no try you to do it, you know. Okay. Almost always, you yeah. know. It's like, you know. That's I mean, cute. but then then again, John and John Curley and I one time sat around in here for like five hours with me making monkey noises and breaking glass to put in the middle of a song, and we were so proud of it. And then the rest of the band came in, and they're like, "This is shit. What the fuck." <laughs> And so it didn't get on the song, but we thought it was brilliant at that. But we were both like pretty high. <laughs> <laughs> Does it, do these guys like? I mean, in, including uh, Hoffman and Jerry, like, and, and John Curley, of course. Like, do they alter a song at all? Like, are they, are they making suggestions to the point where they're kind of? They can yeah. usually not in a in a. I mean, it, it usually doesn't involve adding more chords or anything like that. It's more sonically, maybe. Sure. You know, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, all the time, you know, and, and sometimes it's just like, wow, God, never would have thought of that, you know. And are, are they mixing the albums, too? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we, use, we set in on them, usually. Um, and usually we pre-mix. We just mix as we go along. So more often than not, the rough mix is pretty much... I don't know, percentages, 80% there usually, just because it's just an easier, for us, it's an easier way to do it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then just sort of little add and subtract little bits, and I don't know why it works. We never, we, <laughs> you know, th there will be a turd one day, I'm sure. But no, it it hasn't happened yet. I mean, if we were, I'm, we're very fortunate, you know, in that, you know, I mean, we, there's songs on every record that I'm not, you know, but, you know, fortunately, especially lately, they've kind of gotten few and far between. We're pretty heavy-duty editors. Yeah, you gotta be. You know, usually, like, Mark will say, Jesus Christ, this is stupid. This is a fucking shitty song. And then we'll just stop playing it. Because I don't care. I got, I got more songs. You're not precious about the material. Oh, no, fuck. Yeah. I, 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 I've learned to not be precious about it. I, I think I was maybe a little more precious about it when I was younger. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm a genius. We, um, no, you're not. <laughs> yeah, we. I think we all have those feelings that you know, when, you, when you're young and you start doing something. It's, it's kind of egotistical, you know. Mm -hmm. Everybody's got one. Fuck, if you don't have an ego, you shouldn't be doing this. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to just make fucking dishwater music. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> what, so, uh, I mean, it seems like with Wussy, 
as opposed to Ass Pony. Ass Pony seems like to me, um, at least from my perception, that pretty quickly it kind of like blew up. That's that was my perception. Again, you said to you, you didn't think that yeah, it even yeah. did, but. I mean, you know, it was being played on the radio. It kind of blew up and then went away. Okay. You know, um, you know uh, as far as radio is concerned. I think we made better records after A&M, to tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. The last two records are my favorites. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so be it. I agree, actually. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but what I was going to say is that I feel like Wussy is sort of the opposite, where it's it's been since the beginning of the career it's been a slow Very build so. of success meaning you know audience size getting bigger sure. probably and and you know critical success critical success and stuff like that um do you have a feeling about the the, the two different ways that that your two sort of most long-standing bands have have uh, not really they both kind of felt the same to me you know um because uh, really and truly, I mean, we never got to the point where we could actually make a living at it, you know. I mean, we did there for a while. The A&M years, uh, you know, I mean, if you can call making $20,000 a year a living, then, yeah, that was, you know, I wouldn't actually mind making that now. But, um, you know, um, but it's, um, no, they didn't feel much different, you know. It just felt like we were just sort of, we, we exist... Both those bands, I mean, we play music for ourselves. I know that sounds really pompous. And if somebody else likes it, it's a bonus. But you're aware that people are listening. And, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's always, it's always flattering. It's flattering regardless. I mean, it's always been. And, and you know, somebody comes and tells you, you know, something as, as, as huge as, yeah, your record really got me through some hard times or we, we uh, danced to this at our wedding and stuff like that. And I know all that shit could, some, some people could uh, construe that as being kind of corny, but I love that shit, man. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool. You know, we're a part of somebody's life. And I, I'm always fascinated by it. And I always have a, I still have a disbelief because I'm like, really, you've heard us in Australia? But I'm still enough of a Jethro not to realize that it's, it's everywhere now. Right. But used to, it wasn't so much that way. See, I mean, when, you, when you're an older person, you come from a time when, fuck, nobody knew who we were anywhere because unless they got an import, they never would have heard us. There's and no now, internet. Yeah, now it's so available that, yeah, people do know who you are, and uh, to a certain extent anyway, and, and, and that always fascinates me. I'm like, really? God damn. You know, have you guys been? Has Wussy been overseas? We've been to um, England, but that's it so far. Okay. We're gonna try on this next record to go to Europe. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see. You know. Well, it, it seems like, you know, you guys are still from my outside percep- perception. It seems like it's still sort of on we the are, rise. But I mean, any minute, you know, uh, this next record could, you know, people could be just like Jesus. You guys are really going way too far with this shit because mm-hmm. we got to stay interested and so to stay interested we get farther and farther away from maybe what some some of the hardcore wussy people would enjoy because a lot of hardcore wussy people didn't like the last record what what is the the quintessential hardcore well wussy people listener? who've been with us from the beginning you know uh, a lot of people want you to stay within that comfortable 
whatever that is. We don't know because we've always just done what we do. But apparently some people thought the last record was uh, you couldn't maybe hear the lyrics quite as much and it was a little too noisy and it was a little too this. And you're just like, yeah, but it's keeping us interested, man. Well, let, let me let me say in regards to that, like I do... Um, the new album, or the new album. I mean, it's a year old, but but yeah. forever sounds like it is to to my ear. It's probably like the heaviest of what's the album's oh, yeah, like the yeah. most the most rock. It almost at times it almost feels like uh, sludge core or whatever. Like cool. I mean, not good, not all the way to that extent. <laughs> but you know, with some of those influences of like almost like s- super slow metal or whatever. Yeah, yeah. At times. Um, I mean, we listen to everything, and it all makes its way in. It's know? just that usually, usually, bands will start that way in their twenties, and then by the time they're your age, they're they're playing, uh, you know, u- ukulele shit. music or, or you know yeah. what I mean, like uh, super mellow. So it's interesting. You kind of did the opposite, or 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 maybe it's just that you do each record as an, as its own thing. I don't know. Yeah, a little of both. I mean, I'm just not... I I, uh, I have an v- incredibly short attention span. Um, my wife hates watching movies with me because I'll get up in the middle of them and walk into the kitchen not even realizing that's what I'm doing because I'm just like... Uh, uh. Yeah. And so it's like... Um, and so it's just like I just... But I like all... You know, within the band... Uh, we listen to just about everything, and it all makes its way in to the to it because I think that's more interesting, you know. Of course, it's yeah. interesting to have you know um, those different sounds. It may not be interesting to everybody, and I understand that. You know, um, a lot of people have said that they the one thing they don't like about us is our records are all over the place. But that's the thing I like about our records. A lot of people say this, and it's it's true. I mean, even with the the uh, gentrification. Um, it, it's cheap to live here. I mean, comparatively. Um, so, as an artist, you can you know you can get a lot more bang for the buck, studio wise, um, and just it. Like I said before, it's a really good. Um, it's a melting pot of sorts, and it kind of always has been. I mean, King Records, and uh, uh, you know Herzog Studios, and all, all, all of the history of music here. It's always been kind of, you know, you had hillbilly and 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 jazz and R and B and pop and and you know and, and it all. And I mean, to a sense, that's that's everywhere. But it was really, it's always been here, you know, in this little river city that nobody ever paid a whole lot of attention to, and. Um, so it's that it's it's a very it is a healthy environment. I mean, you asked me before about bands supporting each other. I've I've always felt like our the other bands supported us and were friendly towards us and stuff. Not all of them. Some people are dicks, but people are dicks everywhere, you know. But as far as just like you know, um, and we do have. I mean, you know. Um, we it was weird before. Um, As Ponies got signed to A&M, we had a cult following here, and we still do. Wussy is more of a cult band as well. But I noticed that once we went out and came back, it, you know, it started, things started piling up. But I think that's just, that's everywhere too, you know. All of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm supposed to like this. But I don't think that's necessarily just indicative of here. It's everywhere. 
You don't um, think there's a thing in Cincinnati where people are a little bit afraid maybe to... to it could be, but, you know, but I don't think Cincinnati, in that sense, I don't think Cincinnati maybe is any different than any other Midwestern city, you know, other than maybe Chicago or Minneapolis possibly or something, you know, because I think people, you know, it, it's a, it's still a fairly more or less conservative place to come from, you know. It's the only city I've ever lived in, so I really don't have a lot to compare it to as far as, like, actually having lived anywhere else other than in the sticks, uh, you know, um... I, I mean, I just, I always, you know, I, people that live here sometimes, uh, artists that live here will say disparaging things about Cincinnati, and my thing to them is like, well, then do something good, and maybe somebody will pay attention to you. And that's dicky, I know, because they might actually be doing something good, but, you know, I just tend to kind of get a little, I'm, I'm very territorial about it, you know, it's like, I like this place, and I don't want to hear people, you know, giving it shit. Do you so you don't think that the conservative nature of the city enters the arts at all? I think it 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 might prohibit some of the arts, but I don't know that it. Um, I've no, there have been some pretty fucked up bands from around here, and they've been allowed to exist, and they're still allowed to exist, and there are still scenes, especially underground. There's always been a really healthy underground here. And, uh, you know, um, I mean, f I consider Wussy a very, quote-unquote, normal band. But most, most people, if you ask them, they think we're kind of fucked up. And I'm, you know, that makes me pretty happy, you know. It's like, yeah, cool, good, we're fucked up, that's all right. As long as we stay fucked up, I think we'll, we'll be able to do it, you know. As soon as we become, like, tepid, uh, why would you want to do anything, you know. Like John Curley said, if you're not making your best record every time, why the fuck are you doing this? You know? Or at least in your estimation as the artist. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Everyone's going to have a different opinion, you know. There's... But Cincinnati has just always been a very comfortable place for me. Set once, you know, once I got my ass kicked a couple times and got used to it. It's just, uh, I don't know. I don't... But I do tend to just sort of dig myself in and not leave. I've lived in the same apartment building for 16 years. I don't go places. I don't, you know, my apartment looks like a warehouse, you know. You, did you never consider living in a different city or moving oh, at God, all? Oh, God, no. No. Uh, I'm very home-oriented. I'm very family. I don't want to leave my, you know, I've got people that depend on me and stuff, so I'm just like, eh. But I'm good, you know, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't uh, disparage people for doing that. I understand it. But I also am always like, you know, the devil's fucking everywhere, dude. <laughs> Just because you leave doesn't necessarily mean you're not still going to be fucked up, you know. Do, do you get a kick out of leaving, you know, out of traveling? Do you get a... I detest it. You detest it. You prefer to just stay in yes, Cincinnati. Yes, yes. I don't like touring. Uh, it's it's a necessary evil. There's parts I like. I like playing, yeah. you know. If we could just, like, zap ourselves on the stage and play and then zap ourselves back, that would be my... I would love that. Pretty soon. Like when, yeah, yeah, hopefully. You know, although I'll, I'll arrive with like a dog head or something. Right. But, um, like when we, but the everybody in a band makes fun of me, you know, because we'll go to the Grand Canyon and I'll stay in the van. It's like, I've seen the fucking Grand Canyon. I've seen pictures. I don't need to see the goddamn Grand Canyon. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fuck it. 
<laughs> you know, I know that's a terrible. But is that a Cincinnati? Is that a Cincinnati sentiment in and of itself? It doesn't but, seem to be because no, okay. everybody else in the band just loves it. They hike and you know find horned lizards and baby skulls and shit. And I'm just like, eh, piss on it. Baby skulls. No, I'm teasing. It. <laughs> <laughs> one of these days. One of these days. Where we'll it's going out there in the desert. Yeah. But you know, it's it's just. I'm, I'm a terrible tourist, you know. If there's a junk shop or a record store, yeah, can't, I'll be there, you know. Well, yeah, but if the, we're out in the middle of nowhere, I grew up in the fucking middle of nowhere. I never need to camp again. I camped f- for life as a kid, you know. It's just like, fuck this. <laughs> so you, you would prefer to go to, to, you know, just small underground things like a like a little tiny record store antique yeah. shop junk store exactly then to see the grand canyon or, or yeah a, you know um, i mean you know i'm not totally you know but man going to the beach for me is like the worst i fucking hate that you know i mean i'm this is what i wear to the beach you know and everybody else is in their shorts and sandals Ugh. And all that shit, and it's just like, God damn it, man. Don't let anybody see you like that. We're a band, man. There very definitely is a... The culture here is very conservative. I mean, without a doubt. And, and But I mean, you know, and, and I guess to, to... To sort of counteract that thing, I... I you call... I, we call ourselves ass ponies, for Christ's sakes. I mean, you know, it's just like... Bleh. You know, and 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 you, but the thing is, I never really, uh, I just I make music that I think is pop music. That's just what I do. It it apparently to a lot of people's ears isn't, but I mean, I but I think it is a reaction to it to a certain extent, and wussy as well. You know, I mean, I go from ass ponies, which is like the name that almost nobody could say on the radio, to wussy, which they can, but. They don't know how to deal with it, you know. Uh, we don't sell a lot of T-shirts, you know. I mean, Joe almost got his ass kicked f- before he was in the band, our drummer, for wearing a wussy T-shirt in Price Hill, you know. Yeah. And so it's it's not a real easy shirt to wear to some, you know, neighborhoods. But um, in Cincinnati specifically, maybe. Yeah. 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 I yeah, I would say that's or. <laughs> You know, the farther you go into the Midwest, the more dangerous it is to wear a wussy T-shirt, you know. Um, I, I mean, I'm ne- I haven't heard any reports of anybody dying. But, you know, yeah, and I mean, the whole underground thing, I mean, it's like, especially like those earlier bands I was talking about, the, the late 70s and early 80s, because there wasn't really any place to play around here. It was all cover bands and stuff, and so some of these places were letting, you know, having New Wave Tuesday and shit like that, you know, and so then that's when you played. And, and then, you know, um, places like Sudsies and stuff came along, and um, it sort of blossomed out of that, you know. Um, t- t- tell me a little bit about Sudsies or that scene. Uh, it was, uh, again, you know, I mean, uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a bit, um, what's the word when people, you know, um, have, have the blood disease because they intermingle too much? Uh, hema, hema, yeah, but, what, but what's the, uh, incestuous. Yeah. You know, it was a bit, it was a bit little, you know, it was a nice little core group and then everything radiated out from that. But, um, I would never have done my laundry there. 
uh, if you want your records, or your records, if you want your uh, laundry to smell like cigarette smoke and beer and vomit, yeah, go ahead. But, but no, it was a great place. I mean, Dan uh, gave us our first, uh, you know, gave Ass Ponies their first opportunity to play there. You know, and it was on a Tuesday, I think. You know, we didn't even have a name. What yeah. what was Sudsy's for the for the people? It was a, a little bar and uh, bar slash laundromat that was up uh, sort of uh, diagonally across the street from Bogarts, and it you know for the while it was it was, it was kind of it, you know. What, what was the difference between Sudsy's and Bogarts other than size? Do you think that? It was just size, or was there like a... Oh, no, no. There were a lot of up-and-coming, you know, like... Uh, well, Nirvana, you know, played at, at Sudsy's before they would have ever played at Bogarts because it was, it was pre-Nevermind. And so, you know, and stuff like that, you know. and uh, it, it, A lot of up-and-coming, you know. Um, I remember the, the Smashing Pumpkins playing. I don't know if they played there, but they played a little place called Chili's that was up on Short Vine as well. Um, all, all those bands and anything that became big in the, in the 90s ever clear at some point played played Sudsies hmm. you know and you know it gave us the opportunity because like I said in the, in the late 70s and early 80s there was no place to play we were having to we'd set up in rooms at UC and, pl and invite people and play in rooms until the janitors would come and kick us out mm-hmm <laughs> You know, I mean, it was it was Just like gorilla shows. Yeah, kind of. exactly. You know, it was fun. It was good. That's cool. Like, um, are there any new bands in Cincinnati that you're feeling and in the? I think right now is as healthy in some ways as it's ever been here. I mean. Um, there's just there's so much good stuff happening right now. Uh, in my head, as compared to especially some other periods of time, uh, um, I considered the mid to late '80s pretty weak around here. Um, some of the '90s were as well. Like the whole pop thing, a lot of people really enjoy that, but the just the pure pop stuff without a little bit of fucked upness to it, I I'm, I'm just like. Fuck that, you know, who cares? But now it just seems like um, there's so much going on and, and quality. Uh, bands like Vacation, uh, Swim Team, um, God, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Well, y'all, you know, why Culture Queer? I mean, there's so much going on. Darlene just had a record release. It's a really great record. Um, I, I, I again I draw a blank it's just like when I go to a record store and I'm looking for something um, but they're just so, uh, a Buffalo Killers just uh, across the board and then um, some of Mark Utley's projects more of a country type thing wonky tonk really like her stuff um, it's just it's all over the place uh, there's a band called us today that are a really interesting uh, instrumental band um, Dinge, or I saw them recently and really liked them. But it's just, it's all, just Electric Citizen, sort of a heavy, you know, it just, it, there's so much good stuff going on right now, you know, and it's, it's, it's really encouraging, you know. I couldn't go to the Northside Rock and Roll Carnival this year, and I was really sad about it, because it was a, just an incredible lineup. Mm -hmm. But I had gout. Oh, no. Old man disease. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I ate too much ice cream. <laughs> That'll do it. There you go, rockers. Yeah. Don't eat ice cream. 
But uh, and what would you attribute the the sort of current situation to? Do you have any idea why things would be going well right now with the, with um, the music? I would say ultra suede probably doesn't hurt. You know, um, and just uh, just I think there's a certain consciousness right now. I just think there's a good. I've never been able to explain the waves. I, you know, why some times aren't as good as others. I'm not really sure I know why. It's just there seems to be a, probably, um, it probably has to do with being able to record yourself now to, to a certain professional level as opposed to being able to, you know, before it was really hard you know, to make a record, at least a prof, quote unquote professional sounding record. Now I think basically it's a, a lot of people's fingertips and I think that that helps. Because a lot of projects now start as bedroom projects, you know, and they're quite good, you know. I mean, for all intents and purposes, Wussy was kind of a bedroom project when we started out, you know. But I think um, there's more there's more places to play, you know, than there there have been previously, and. Um, what are the hot spots? Where where are the places that you're asking? Do you know? No, I know really you're not a guy that goes person. out and stuff, but. Um, yeah, you know. Um, Motor, Northside Tavern, the Woodward Theater, uh, the Comet. Um, uh, you, get, you got some of the stuff down uh, Rakes End for you know more like experimental and, and alternative stuff. Uh, that place across the street that I can never remember the name. From Rakes End. Yeah, uh, the, the big yeah. the the the, yeah. Ca the catacombs, the Mockby. The Mockby. Yeah. Um, I'm probably leaving something. Yeah, no, I mean, that's uh, basic. Uh, the the um, Yacht Club, mm -hmm. you know. I mean, it's just, and, and then there's tons of house shows, just, you know. And God bless, I mean, I'm so glad. The house shows, man, I, I hope people keep it up, you know. More more broomsticks as microphones. Yeah, shows. exactly. It's, it's, it's because, you know, that's, I don't know, to, to a certain extent, if you don't come up through that, you're kind of a bullshit artist, you know. Yeah. That's one way to look at it, yeah. Or you just lucky as hell. You're, yeah, to have missed out. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Yeah, I can't. I, I I tend to have a bit of a chip on my shoulder about people that, you know, really. It's like where the fuck did they come from? You know that kind of petty horse shit. Right. Like you know? everybody has to go through the uh, what do they call it? You know. Uh, Whatever it is. Learn the ropes. Yeah. You know, go up through the, you know, um, yeah. You know, Pay their dues, that's what yeah, I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah. 16 years of paying your dues. Right. Still, we're, we're both still <laughs> paying our dues. Yeah, yeah. We and, never and, reap and, the always, and maybe we always will be. I think some of the best... I find that with major artists, a lot of times once they have the comforts that they were bitching about not having for so many years in their lyrics, the, they kind of lose a little bit somehow, you know? And it, plus then it makes me mad. It's like, God damn it, you're singing about being poor and you fucking, you're not poor. Right. And it kind of makes, you know, I'm like, what, a, what an asshole. And then it's even worse if they're singing about being rich, which a lot of people do now. Well, yeah, and then that's just rubbing it in your face. Like, put some salt on that wound there, yeah. Mr. Food Stamps, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, anything else, Scott? Yeah, I'm sorry. Do you have one more? Oh, okay. Do you have the time for one more? Yeah. Okay. Um, can you uh, talk about the rawness? I mean, that's what, that's what I like about the scene, is it's raw. It's not yeah. finessed, and I think not that's, at all. that's because you're not having people travel out to 
to LA and live there forever. You you get your own perspective exactly. of the Midwest perspective. Can you talk to him sure. a little bit about that? Well, yeah, I mean it's, you know, it's it is raw. It's 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 more because people have more professional, you know, equipment just be, you know, because of the computers and stuff. It's just like you don't have to. You don't have to go to Hollywood or New York City or wherever to to do this. You can do it from anywhere, and because of that, I think um, a lot more decisions are being made by the artist rather than somebody, you know, a producer or a label owner or something. They're not. They're people aren't being told what to do as much, and so you're getting a lot more real music. You know, and and uh, I mean, I just know from working here and working with with John and Jerry, um, it's just a real kitchen sink approach. You know, I mean, I've done vocals here through uh, the a headphone. You know, um, we set up a bass um, in front of the drum kit and we tune all the strings to the same note whatever whatever the key to the song's in and that is used as a microphone as well and it gets this really cool weird you know rip leads and it's just like it's just all it's trial and error but it's so much fun you know and it's like sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't and i think that that now is a really good time to record for, especially for recording because there's just so much you can do without being um basically without being told what to do. And do you think that that aspect of not being told what to do, which I think is a, probably a product of just less influenced by the, the major labels, I feel like... Oh, yeah, yeah, they, don't, they years, don't have a grip on it like they used right. to. And, and so does that allow for a lot more creative growth with bands or, or evolution in, in sound and I ideas? Think, and I think so to a certain extent. I mean, there were major labels that were more, like A&M, one of the reasons why Aspony signed A&M was at, at one time A&M were considered an artist development label. More labels were artist development labels, and they held on to their artist for longer periods of time to let them grow. And A&M was probably... As far as my research is concerned, they were probably the major label that stuck to that the longest mm -hmm. and the most dedicated. Um, uh, by the time we got there, it was it was very much starting to change. But you know, whatever. I don't. We knew we were a, a limited, you know, liability basically. Sure. You know, as a matter of fact, some news show did a story about the record industry right around that time, 94, 95, and uh, John Stossel or somebody was like, you know, doing the narration and he's like, they, 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 they honed in on A&M and they said, for every blues traveler in Sheryl Crow, you have an ass ponies. <laughs> so we felt pretty good about that. I would yeah. wear that as a Yo, we honor. did, we were like, <laughs> yeah. right on. Thanks, <laughs> yeah. thanks, John. Nice. Well, I think that's a good place to, to close it up here. Sweet. Thank you so Thanks. much for doing it, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, laddies and germs. It's a pleasure being back with you. It's been way too long. Uh, good conversation with Chuck Cleaver. Go check out his music. Uh, what I've been, the little bits I've been using here and there on this episode uh, are, we'll see, 
and uh, I'll play a wussy song uh, on the way out at the end of the episode. Um, don't forget, go to studiosweden.com and get yourself a new pair of headphones. They're very affordable and very high quality. I highly recommend it. I use them myself. Um, and I, I have to always be looking for them in the house because my girlfriend constantly steals them from me. I'll, I'll probably end up buying her a pair for Christmas. Do not tell her. I like a surprise. So, uh, when you go to their website, studiosweden.com, enter my promo code, wandering, okay? And you'll get a 15% discount. That's a deep-ass discount right there. They, they have a lot of uh, wireless headphones, you know? Uh, I think that's the majority of them can be used in a, in, a, in a Bluetooth manner, I believe. If you're looking for headphones, these are the ones. I mean, there's no, there's no doubt in my mind. Studiosweden.com. Uh, Cincinnati folks come out on the 18th, November 18th, to the premiere of The Wandering Wolf, the TV show. The Wandering Wolf, the podcast, the TV show, the book. The book is next, where I'm going to do a book about the TV show, about the podcast. I had a book as a kid, I remember, a Star Wars book that was a book based on the movie. It was like a Cliff's Notes of the movie, but with, with pictures of the movie in it. I guess, yeah, I don't know why you would do that. I guess it's expensive to rent to rent uh, movies in those days and then VHS tapes. This was pre-Blockbuster when they, you know, this was like when... Anyway, come to our opening. November 18th, I'll be there. Scott Fredette, who directed the episode, will be there at the Mini Micro Cinema on Main Street in Cincinnati, Ohio. November 18th, Saturday night, two showings, 7.30 and 9.30. It's gonna be a good time. Uh, a lot of friends, a lot of family, a lot of fun, a lot of food, a lot of fornication. Maybe, I was just looking for another F word. If you know any, email me at my email. Love your life, love yourself. I hope you voted. I'm voting today, today is the day. Above all, well not above all, but uh, do remember to keep wandering.
actually this sounds more like an outro. I'm like, oh, thanks, buddy. <laughs> or something like that.